Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, a podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExplorerX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story. And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globetrotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better and how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. We have a great episode for you today with our dear friend, colleague, and mentor, Dr. Maria Baltazzi. Maria is a world traveler, an Emmy-winning television show producer, and a happiness and well-being mentor who leads mindfulness workshops, transformative travel experiences, and conscious-centered living retreats all around the world. Awesome. And in this conversation, we're going to be discussing how happiness is a state of mind that ultimately starts with a choice to be happy. And the key to happiness is mindfulness. And that mindfulness is like a muscle that you have to keep working on and exercising if you want to get it stronger. Um, So Maria walks us through her journey to happiness, and she's going to be sharing her keys to living a more mindful and happier life. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, I'm really excited for this chat with Maria. So let's get started. Robin, how you doing? Hey, good, Michael. How are you? Doing well. Enjoying a beautiful sunny day here in Seattle. It's There are few and far between in January. So Nice. That is really special. Yeah, things are pretty sunny and beautiful here in Montana too. We have a little bit of snow, so we've been getting out for some skiing. So that's been nice. But I'm really excited for today's podcast. I'm thrilled. We're thrilled to have our, our good friend, mentor, colleague, and all around amazing person, Maria Baltazzi here with us today. Um, But before we get into that, um, just a couple quick notes for everybody. If you are new to the ExplorerX community, be sure to check out our website, which is explorer-x.com. You can follow us on social media at GoExplorerX. We encourage you to join our traveler community. It's totally free. You can access it through our website. Lots of great resources, tools, conversations, and inspiration for you to not only know how to travel better, but as we always say, learn how to live better as well. And if you have any questions, we can be reached via email at hello at explorer-x.com. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, again, we're so excited to have Maria Baltazzi on as one of our first guests on this podcast. She's a dear friend of ours, a world traveler, a seven-continent distance walker, and an Emmy-winning television show producer. Um, She is also a happiness and well-being mentor who leads workshops, transformative travel experiences, and retreats focused on happiness and conscious-centered living. And naturally, Maria teaches mindfulness, primordial sound meditation, prayer of the heart, and restorative yin yoga. So Maria, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. As always, Michael is one of my favorite people. And because of him, I now know you. So now you're a favorite person. (laughs) You know, Maria, anytime I'm feeling down in the dumps, I need a lift. I know who to call. You're my, you're, you're a great cheerleader. That's for sure. So how, how are things? And you're, you're, you're in Los Angeles now, right? I am in Los Angeles. And um, right now, similar to you, it's nice and sunny. How, How are things there with COVID? We hear, we hear 
horror stories sort of up here about what's going on down in Southern California. So how are things? How are you staying safe? Uh, it's, it's not great. Our hospitals are overloaded. And the way I'm staying safe is I, I'm observing all of the things that we're being told to do. You know, I wash my hands a lot. I social distance. Although I hate that word social distance because it, 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 it just, it, it creates a psychological barrier. I think, you know, social honoring, I think is a better word. You know, that, that you are respectful of other people's health in addition to, to yours. And I am fortunate in where I live specifically in Los Angeles in that I can walk out my back door and I can be in Griffith Park, which is the foothills in Los Angeles. And so I have miles and miles and miles of nature to walk through. And that has been my, my sanity for these uh, last nine months, you know, since, since mm. March. And uh, I also go to the beach to watch sunsets on, on the weekend. So those things. Where's your spot? Point Lagoon. Yeah. No, mm. the, the sunsets lately have been just glorious. I mean, they rival mm. any place that I've been in the world to watch sunsets. So... I, I would say following the protocols, being able to hike in Griffin Park and going and breathing in negative ions at the beach, that, that has been my secret. <laughs> you recently <laughs> took a trip to kind of get away from LA for a few days, right? Yes. I went to Sedona and took in those vortex energies that, that uh, supposedly are there. And... Whether or not you believe in the energy of the vortex in Sedona or not, it is just such an awe-inspiring place to be. I mean, those red rocks, they're just so magnificent. And as, as the, the sun is crossing the rocks throughout the day, it's just changing you know, what you're looking at. You know, the rocks, the way they are at noontime versus sunset is completely different. And it's just it's just awe-inspiring to be in such beauty. Yeah, it's pretty amazing the beautiful places we have right here in the states. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have Robin, to travel far. Have you have you explored Sedona, Robin? No, I haven't explored Sedona. Yeah, no, yeah. I lived in in New Mexico for a while, but I never made it over to Sedona, unfortunately. Well, New Mexico has beautiful skies too. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it's some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen have been in New Mexico. Mm. So I imagine it's it's similar out there. Uh, Maria, t- tell us, uh, what, what did you get from that experience in Sedona? How are you feeling now you've gotten back? You know, it's, um, you just feel uh, more expansive. Mm. You know, when you are, in, and I feel, felt this way when I was in, the, um, in Nepal and the Himalayas, is that you, when you are in the presence of, of such old, huge rock formations that you know that they have been there far, far before you and will be there far after you, it, it, really, gives you, it really gives you a bit of a reality check. You know, that, that you are just a moment here. And to, to really embrace the moment that you are here and, and to focus on what's important. 
know, when you see such grandeur, it's it, it, it does take, at least for me, it takes your breath away. And it just makes you pause to think about, you know, any of the things that you're angry about or frustrated about, they don't matter. They don't matter. Mm. You know, mm. and it just reminds you to, you know, keep your keep your priorities in in the right place. So that was my yeah. takeaway. It was a, it was a nice reminder. Yeah, that's beautiful. And there are, there's there's a lot of places in the world that sort of do that. You know, for me, I think one of them was Greenland. Mm-hmm. You know, and seeing some of the the icebergs, you know, floating by and knowing that they've been there for long, long time. And as you said, maybe well, climate change and global warming, all that uh, aside, hopefully they'll be there longer than I'm mm-hmm. than I'm here. But but yeah, are there, are there other places that you've traveled to, uh, Maria? You've we're going to get into some of your travel experiences in, in a little bit. But are there other places that have given you that similar feeling and energy? Well, uh, certainly, certainly the Himalayas is I in, in Nepal is when I first got my first wide view of those mountains, it, it also took my breath away in a very humbling way. You just, you know, I don't want to say the word insignificant because I don't believe any of us are insignificant, you know, but it did anchor in that. You know, I I am I am just a piece in this world that is very interconnected. You know, and and just when you see the scale of that, you take in the scale of that. It it's just it, it's just breathtaking. Do you th- do you think that that experience for you and the power that you just had of this experience in Sedona was influenced or impacted by all that's going on in the world with politics and pandemics and everything else? No, I would have felt that anyway. You know, and, and, and the other place in the world where I feel a very deep primal stir and connection to the earth and, and all of its being is, is in Africa in the bush. And so uh, yes, I, 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 when I am in places that take my breath away, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. You know, I, I often think about, well, not often, but I think about 9-11 and when that hit our country and so many people said at that time, I remember, now I know my priorities and I kept thinking, Really? It took that, you know, an mm-hmm. attack on mm-hmm. our country for you to realize your priorities. You know, mm-hmm. so in that moment, I was happy that I knew my priorities and, and it didn't take, you know, a terrorist attack to, to put, you know, my priorities in, into, into place. And, and I feel the same way with, with the pandemic. I pray for, for the world and, and for um, a solution to the pandemic and for us to get beyond it, but I have my priorities, mm. you know, and those, those are made different because of it. They already exist. I'm just thankful that I have my priorities. You've spent the last several years studying happiness. Mm-hmm. How much of that is related to having your priorities in order? Do you think? A lot. You know, uh, years ago, we, what began my journey is that I was at, at a 
crossroads in my life where nothing was working. My professional life wasn't working and, and my personal life wasn't working. And I was, I, I felt so taken down by it. Mm. And at that time, I just made the decision that I was not going to let that moment in time or any moment in, in, in time define me in, in such a negative way. And that's, that's what sent me on my journey to figure out how to make a positive out of the negative. It's, mm. it's in, informed my, <laughs> my priorities a lot. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk a bit about, about this idea of happiness. How do you, this is something you've studied for years. How do you define happiness? What does that mean to you? Uh, it's a state of being. Happiness is a state mm. of being. And everybody has to define that for themselves. I think that there are certain common things that, that contribute to and sustain happiness. I think things like gratitude, mm. forgiveness, love. You know, I think those are things that you can c- cultivate to create a, a happier life. But somebody's list of what creates them as a, a happy being will vary. But it, that's the, the, the that's the journey you go on to, to define it. Like I I am very faith based. I'm very spiritual, and that is that is a, a a huge piece of it for me. And there there may be others who who don't feel that way. Mm. You know? Is 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 happiness? I've I've heard some describe it or define it as a very sort of peaceful state. Is there a difference between peace and happiness? I, I think peace is a component of happiness. So to me, you have an umbrella called happiness. And then you have things like peace, love, gratitude, faith, mm. you know, those, those kinds of things that, that go in under that umbrella. Got it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. So yeah. what, what sparked your interest in, in studying happiness? Was it, was it that point in your life where you were feeling really down and needed to, to make a pivot? Yes, exactly. That was it. I, I wanted, I wanted, it's seated in our Declaration of Independence of the United States, the, the pursuit of happiness. And, and I, I wanted that, you know, I wanted to be a happy, productive, constructive person in the world. And, and so it, it's, it's a choice. You know, happiness is a choice, and, and it's a choice that you make each and every day, each and every moment of the day. Now, just because you choose happiness, it doesn't mean that, that everything is rosy and everything's always okay. I mean, I have my ups and downs, and I have my disappointments. Gosh, you and I have shared, you know, conversations where things haven't always been, been working in our businesses. It's, it's not that things will always be rosy because you choose happiness, but you will be able to manage things better. You'll choose things that will help you navigate, help you weather your, your challenges in a way that is con- constructive, in a way that buoys you, as opposed to uh, wallowing and taking you down. So when I say happiness as a as a choice and as a state of being, it's that you you have the emotional tools, that skill set 
to weather your challenges in, in the world mm. in, in a more constructive, more mindful way, mm. you know, just a healthier way of navigating things. Now, my ethnicity is Greek. And and then we live at the top of our lungs and the end of our nerves. That's what it is culturally. <laughs> and you learn to you you learn to embrace that and and funnel that 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 kind of energy in a way that is more joyful, that is more more constructive mm. to yourself and others around you. For some people, that might come naturally, right? Yeah. Uh, others others it may not. You have a a bit of a formula, if you will, right? That you sort of go through yourself and or guide your coaching clients through that really helps them sort of build that, that happiness muscle. Right. Right. And I didn't always have it. I, mm. I came from a, a, a family of living in their heads mm. and at the top of their lungs and the end of their nerves because <laughs> <laughs> of their culture. Yeah. And, and so I was not, I was not predisposed to, being optimistic on the up, seeing that the glass is half full. I was not predisposed to that. I've, I've had to, to learn and train and do, do all of those. It's, it's like going to a gym. You only get your six pack by going to the gym and doing the most of the, you know, the, the, the sit-ups. Yeah. That's the, you build your happiness muscle by, by cultivating it and, and continuing to do, do so. And you have to meet people with where they're at, Mm -hmm. because there is such a thing as a happiness set set point, a happiness continuum. And there are people who are naturally more chipper, and there are people who are naturally more uh, pessimistic. And, and, you know, part of that is defined by your, your, your genes, yes, but there, it's also defined by your, your circumstances and the, the, the choices you make. And so there is an awful lot that you can do to, to you know, shift that happiness set point by the conscious choices you make every day, by, by doing intentional activities that will boost your happiness level. And just, just to be clear, when you, when you say happiness set point, what do you mean by that? It's, it's, the, it's the how happy you are. It's, uh, do you tend to see, be someone who sees the glasses half full or half empty? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and where are you on that, that spectrum? Your, your natural inclination. Right. Towards, what is your natural yeah. inclination? Yeah. Got it. Got it. I, 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 I would say that my happiness set point when before I started all of this work was probably more towards the, the, the malcontent, the, the one that wasn't always seeing the, the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And you know, over the years and through intentional activities, it's, it, it's shifted to where I do see the possibilities. Well, that's inspiring, right? Because I think a lot of us, I know I, I might not think that we can really dramatically change or shift that happiness set point. So it's awesome to know and inspiring to know that we can. And it's just, as you mentioned, it's sort of the, I love the metaphor of going to the gym right. right, and getting a six pack or getting the big, you know, biceps or quads or whatever your thing is at the gym. Right. And I think in terms of the strength training, but yeah. so it's the meathead in me, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, but it's nice to know that you can work on this. Right. And you, so what, what's the foundation of this? If you're trying to build or change and, and increase your happiness set point, 
where does someone start? Choice. Choice. Okay. That, that is your starting point. Because unless you make the conscious decision that you want to choose a different way of being in the, this world and believe that it is possible, nothing's going to happen. Mm. So you, you have to start with the choice that I want to change how I look at things. And I believe that I can do that. So it's choice and belief. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking here about, you know, I used to do some work in organizational consulting and organizational development. And, mm-hmm. you know, what you're talking about really is change, right? It's choice, yeah. but it's being yeah. it's choosing to make a change. And it's and, not easy. You know, even even, no. even once you make that decision that you want to change your lifestyle and you believe you can, not now you have to dig in and, and do the work. And, right. and, you know, make those habits that will create the lifestyle that you want. And, and that's not always easy because you're preconditioned to a certain, to doing certain things. Like you have a certain morning routine of how you get up, you get out of bed, you turn on, you, you turn on a kettle to make tea or coffee. I mean, whatever that routine is. So, you take that for any number of habits that you have. And if those habits are not in, in serving you, you've got a, a lot of unlearning to relearn to, to do. And, and that takes a real commitment. So then that's the, the third component. So you make a choice, you have mm-hmm. belief, and then you make a commitment. I want to go back to the choice thing because I think what's interesting there and what we see a lot with the folks that we work with in terms of traveling and, and, and uh, the great folks that book travel with us is that they, they often get to a point where they realize sort of what's at stake for them. You know, if I don't make a change, right, right, you know, I'm going to end up where I'm going and, and I don't want to end up where I'm going, right? So I've got to make a decision here to either just embrace that and just deal with it or change and do something different. Right. And make that choice, as you said. And, and so whether that's through to be more, to be, to increase happiness, to be more mindful, to commit to that, right. To find ways to build that. Or oftentimes it, you know, it can be as we, as we see often uh, through travel. Let me ask you this. I know mindfulness plays a core part in, in that process, right. In your formula. So to tell us a little bit more about mindfulness and what that means and how, how it relates to happiness. Well, mindfulness is about being present. You know, and I, th- I think that that's, that's the, the biggest piece is that you become aware of what is happening now. Mm-hmm. It's not what, is, what has already happened in the past. That's done with. It's finished. Got to let that go. What is to come, you don't know. You can have a great plan for the future, but you don't know what, what lies on that road ahead. Mm-hmm. So what you have is here now, and it's what you do in this moment that is going to shape what happens down the road. So that's what mindfulness is, becoming aware of what is going on circumstantially around you. You know, what are your thoughts? What are your emotions? You know, and and where are you feeling it in your body? How are those thoughts and emotions manifesting as, as ailments? So it's, it, that, so it's really getting in touch with now and yourself. Yeah. 
So what do you do with that mindfulness? What tools do you use to then bring it into a state of happiness? You start with, it's very foundational. You start with beginning with just your breath and noticing the quality of your breath. Because your breath will tell you, uh, uh, will give you information as to your state of mind. If you are very anxious or even very excited about something, your, your breath tends to be very, you know, sharp and, and short, you know, and if you are, if you are very peaceful, your breath tends to be long and, and soft. So your breath will give you information. So you start tuning in just with that. And then you do things like a you know, body scan where you'll start at the top of your head and work your way through your body. And as you're wor- working your way through your body, feeling sensations like, oh, you know, tight shoulders, you know, oh, anxiety in my belly. Yeah. And, and so starting to get to understand when you are feeling tightness in your shoulders and anxiety in your belly, you know, what, what is underneath that? You know, what is your body telling you? What is it wanting? And, and, start, and, and to start digging into that. You know, and, and when you, you, you start to have that kind of information and widening, widening out your awareness, then you can do something. You can't fix what you don't know. So mindfulness is, is a way of tuning in to what is going on with you, opening up that lens of awareness so you can take constructive action. How much of this is related to meditation? I mean, it sounds like a, a lot, lot of it. A lot. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot because, um, yes, you do have mindfulness of, like, I'm mindful of listening to you and being focused on your questions and and, you know, in, in this environment, but then there's the, the mindfulness when you close your eyes and, and you go inward. And meditation is a way, meditation and also how you use your breath um, is a way of, of settling your mind and body so you can have that clarity. You know, it's like when you have one of those snowball uh, shakers, you know, you shake it up. Mm-hmm. And it's all snowy. You can't really see that what's in it. And then when, when the snow settles, you're looking at the Statue of Liberty. Mm. You can't see it because the, the snow is, it, that's the same thing. When you meditate, you settle that snow in your mind so you can, you can have a bigger vision. Mm. That's a great visual. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it is. And, and so many people are going through their day-to-day lives, right, with this snow globe effect, right? Too much information, too many things going on, too many stresses, too many inputs, right? They don't, it's hard, it's hard, even for people like us, at least for me, it's hard to, to find that time to sit down yeah. for even 10 minutes right? And, and grab a quality meditation and focus on breathing. Yeah. How do you make that a habit? What are some of the things that you, that you do? Well, it goes back to choice and commitment, you know, cause you, once, once you start seeing yeah, you can understand, but once you start seeing, experiencing is actually the better word, the benefits of your choice-making, positive, constructive choice-making, and you start to see uh, the, the, the benefits of doing mindfulness 
and the way it settles your system or really any kind of meditation. You know, I, I teach, I teach three different kinds of meditation. You know, mindfulness is to be present to the here and now. And then I teach another, it's a, it's a type of transcendental meditation and it's the meditation that Deepak Chopra teaches. Mm. And that's what it is. It's transcendence. You know, you, you are transcending your present thoughts, your limiting beliefs through meditation. You know, as Einstein said, you can't chew, you can't, you can't solve a problem at the level of consciousness in which it, it, it was created. So there are those moments when you want to transcend your thoughts and being present. And then because I'm faith-based and I'm Christian, that that's what prayer of the heart is. It's it's to me it's a mindful Christian contemplative prayer meditation that puts you in the presence of the divine without having any notions or story about what the divine is or should be doing. You're just present, open to that guidance. And do, do you do you weave in and out of these on a daily basis or yeah. is there a, a, a particular version well, I of meditation? I, I definitely have time. When I get first thing in the morning, that's what I do. Before I do anything, well, maybe go to the bathroom, but... <laughs> <laughs> But um, the per- very first thing that I do in the morning is, is I meditate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, when meditation becomes so much a part of your life, many things suddenly become a meditation of sorts. You know, mm-hmm. doing your dishes and just focusing on just doing the dishes and, and that experience, you know, that becomes its own meditation. You know? You know, Thich walking, Nhat, walking in the woods, right? Going yeah, for a yeah. walk in the woods yeah, with Thich, it. Yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about just, you know, just sweeping the floor. That's all you're doing. You're just mm-hmm. sweeping the floor. You're being with that room and with that floor and just being in that moment of sweeping the floor. Yeah. And yes, you get that in nature. Yeah. There, there are many times in nature where, you know, I, I, I intentionally don't want to think about what's going on my, in my day or planning, you know, my future. And I'll just take a word. And as I'm walking, I'm just saying peace, peace. And, that, and I'm just repeating that. Mm. And that, that word centers me and, and it becomes that walks or that 20 minutes worth of, of um, a walking meditation. You're just centering yourself on one word that is meaningful. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to use that. I like that a lot. I know that a a barrier to happiness um, are these negative thought patterns that we all suffer from in some form or another. So how do we create more positive thoughts, swapping those out for more positive thoughts and ultimately a more happy mindset? Yeah, there's a number of things that, that you can do. One of the things is just, you know, reframing when you're having a negative thought. Real and, and uh, meditation is part of that, that, that it opens your awareness to you observing yourself. So when you can start to observe yourself thinking and acting, you know, you could, it places a little bit of a distance and then it, it helps you to take wiser action. So, you know, if you can notice 
when you are having a negative thought and then stop yourself and say, okay, what, what is really going on here? Or how can I look at this thought and make it a constructive thought? What is the lesson that I can learn out of this thought? You know, so it's, it's, it's a reframe. Yeah, that, that feels like a, a, a fairly advanced practice for people, right? I mean, I would imagine that sort of mindfulness and, and, and being aware leads to meditation or vice versa, right? Or they're interrelated. But then it's only once you've really established those practices where something like that becomes well, you, more accessible for people. Right. It becomes more accessible. But I mean, I think, I think once, you, once you make that decision that you want to be you want to you know, do something with your negative thoughts that right there, you're already opening your awareness. Sure, sure. You know, it becomes more refined. The more you do it, it becomes more refined, but you don't need to wait until you, you have been meditating for five, six, 10 years before you do this. I mean, totally. this is something that you can start doing right now, just by, by making that decision that you want to be more aware of your negative thoughts. And when you have them look for the lesson. Then the other thing that you can do is that that you savor the good, savor mm-hmm. what what is good that is around you. You know, when you wake up in the morning, I'm in a, I'm I'm safe. I'm in a warm bed. I'm in in um, uh, a room that makes me comfortable. I have food in my refrigerator. I I have people who love me. Whatever those things are for you. I mean, I I understand not everybody has what I just sure. mentioned. But whatever is is good for you and savoring that, you know, it's 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 a twofold thing. You know, one, you're counting the blessing that that you're having. So the 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 more you you are grateful, the the more things you are grateful for. But you know, so I have this decanter. So talk about savoring the good. Okay, well, you look at an object like this, and it's like, well, this was a gift. You know, mm-hmm. this has has pretty etching on it. It has a nice purple color, so it makes a nice creative design. It's pleasing to the eye. It makes me remember the person that gave it to me, and I really like this person, so I have fond memories. You start to look for things that, that you can and, – and just focus on something like this, the beauty of a bottle for 20 to 30 seconds. And you start to absorb that into your brain. And the more you do that, the more positive neural pathway you are creating towards the positive and away from, from the negative. What's the, this reminds me of a conversation we've had in the past, but some of the work of, I think it's, I think it's Daniel Amen. uh, He talks about what he calls ants, automatic negative thoughts. And, the, the research that he did, and I, I always get the numbers slightly skewed, but that 90% of our thoughts repeat day to day, and 80% of those thoughts are negative. And the thoughts you had the day before and the day before. Correct. correct yeah, we have, some, correct. Yeah, we have some 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Correct. 80, yep. Yeah. 80 to 90 yep. of them percent of them are negative and most of them were the thoughts you had from the day before and the day before. And, and it's Correct. not until you open your awareness that right. you can start doing something about those negative thoughts as, as they come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so savoring the good 
is is another practice that that people uh, can do. And the other thing that is super simple is just clap your hands when you're having a negative thought and just choose choose a different thought. It's called stop. It's called stop thinking. And it was developed by, uh, I think, I, I, I wouldn't hold me to it, but I think it was a, a professor research group at Columbia. And, and that's okay. what it's called. It's called thought stopping. So you're having a negative thought, you become aware of it, and you go, and then you just choose, I want to think about roses or whatever. <laughs> I love it. So, so to pull this thread all the way through, to lead a happier life, to become happier, starts with a choice. Yes. Right? And then we commit. Yes. We become more no, mindful. No, no, no. You, you make a and choice. Yeah. You believe that you ah. can make a, a, a different choice. You believe that you can change. So choice, belief, then commitment. Got it. And that commitment and some of the tools that go along with that include mindfulness, yoga, meditation, and in doing all of that. Well, it's also physical activity. You know, not everybody wants to be a yogi, you know. And mm. and I I actually do I actually do um, what I it started out as restorative and yin, but it's it's shifted into mindful movement, you know, because I I actually am I'm not a I'm not a huge yogi. Let's just put it that way. I, I would I would rather do other things physically. I have meditation for that zenning of my mind. And then for physicality, I'd rather be out in nature hiking. And so I use I use mindful movement as as a way to uh, support my meditation, the ability to sit for long periods of time, to relax my body, to stretch my body. But yeah, physical activity, you choose it. You, it could be dance is, is your meditation. It, it could be uh, playing tennis and that, that movement of being up and down the, 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 the course is soothing to you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back here, Maria, um, this happiness journey that you've been on is a relatively new one in your career in terms of your studying and researching and, and writing, correct? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's been like the last 10, 15 years. Okay. But you didn't, you didn't start out doing this work. So, so maybe yeah. for those that are listening, tell us a little bit more about your your journey through life, where did you start out and how did you end up where you are today and how did the two connect? Uh, I started as a television producer, which I still do. I still develop projects that, that I really believe in. And it was out of the, the stress and demand of doing my, my uh, production work because it's, they're long hours and when you're running a show, which is you know what I do, there's just a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of liability. And, and mm-hmm. I often shoot in international destinations where you don't have access to a, a lot of creature comforts 
or even or even medical supplies should there be any any kind of emergency. So it's 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 very stressful. And I just got to a point where I I the, 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 those stresses and demands were just uh, really taking too much out of me. And I knew that if I was going to continue to be healthy <laughs> and have um, a clearer mind to just operate in life, forget just doing my job, but just as a human being, I needed to make some radical radically different choices. It's really brave. I think I would say it's very brave of you because I think a lot of folks might look at someone who is a s- successful television producer, right? Who has that degree of success career-wise, potentially financially recognition, et cetera, as having hit the lottery, right? And it's, everything is great. And yet it sounds like you were feeling overwhelmed and stressed and maybe even hollow and discontented internally, right? In terms of your soul and so, so, but to, yeah, to have the courage. I felt hollow and I, I wouldn't say I felt, I, I, I wouldn't use that descriptive, but stressed out and overwhelmed, yes. Right. And the point is, is I think a lot of folks would, for whatever reason, resist, right? And, and not be willing to make a change because they look like they're having, they're successful externally. And so, you know, what, what do you do? How do you coach folks now considering those experiences that you've had? who may have external success, if you will, but are feeling like something's missing internally? Well, it's, it's to take that, that stillness and to go inward and to, to really take stock in what are you getting out of life right now? And is it worth the, the, the price that the invo- is the invoice worth it? Is that price tag worth it? Mm. What are, what are your costs? What are, what are, what's the give up? Are you giving up relationships? Are you giving up your health? Are you giving up, you know, family time? Are you giving up, you know, other things that, that you really want to do? Maybe you want to travel and you're always, you know, stuck in an office. Now, what is the give up for that current mm. success? And, you know, if you want to make a, a change in your life, you know, people will often say, well, I'll wait until the kids are um, in school or, or I'll wait until I have X amount of money or I'll wait until I have uh, this kind of status. Uh, but it, it's, you're always waiting. Mm-hmm. You don't know what tomorrow is going to be like, and, mm-hmm. and you're you're always waiting. And, and and at the end of the day, you come to waiting for what? Why do you want to wait to begin your life? Don't you want to begin your life and start living it right now? Amen. Yeah. So it's it's that 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 you know having them do that inner reflection, and then and then. Um, you know, getting, having them get in, in touch with, you know, what are some of those core values? You know, what, what is it that, that is, is most meaningful to them? And are those, th- are, are those in alignment with what you're doing now? And, and chances are, if you are, are, if you are not content in what you are working on currently, it's because you are out of, a, of alignment with the things that are most meaningful for you 
they are not happening. And that's why you feel disconnected, discontent with your current situation. And then, you know, projecting into the future, if money and time were no object, what would you be doing? Hmm. You know, and, and what is that alignment, you know, looking at that alignment with, with your core values? So it, it's, starting, it's starting there. It's just like that is your, your, your jumping off point. Have you ever heard of the concept of the emotional guidance system? I think it, I, I want to say it comes from uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks. So the the uh, folks that yeah 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 um, I, 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 yes, I'm very well aware of um, their work. I actually read it, but I wasn't connecting that specific term with them. Right, right, right. But the but the the idea and the concept is that you know. We, our emotions can also can guide us and tell us where things are out of alignment to use right. your words. Right. And, and when we're experiencing unwanted emotions and feelings, that's because something is in fact out of whack and we need to figure out what that is, what values are misaligned, where are we not being fulfilled, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where things like mindfulness meditation, working with a coach, you know, et cetera, can, can, can help. And then figuring out, as you said, you know, where, do you want to be? What do you want to have? You know, what, and, and how do you get back into alignment and making a conscious choice to work towards that? Yeah, I mean, so if things like integrity, exploration, if those are important to you and you're working with people that you feel are out of integrity and you're not able to mm-hmm. explore, you know, you're, you're not in alignment and you're not going to feel good about what you're doing now. And so if you start to look to the future, like, well, what are the things that you could do that, that mm-hmm. you would feel that you would be with people and, and yourself, you'd be in, in integrity and you would have that exploration that you would be able to, to have that part of you, that curiosity satisfied. Follow this a guy named Brian Johnson, and he's got a great website called optimize.me. And one of the things that he says repeatedly, and I've, I've, really taking it to heart is, you know, there's a gap, if there is a gap, when there is a gap between who we're capable of being and who we actually are being. And in between that is where the ick and the discontentment and the frustration and the unwanted emotions lie, right? And at the end of the day, our goal, our mission, our everything is to make sure that we close that gap, right? And so that who we are being ultimately ends up being exactly who we're capable of being. Right. Right. So you know, you could narrow it down to either you feel icky or you feel, ah, you know, and, and it's the <laughs> ah that you want to feel. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> icky or ah, I love it. Yeah. So Maria, throughout your, your life and your career, has there been any one person or multiple people that have really influenced you and in the direction you've gone? Oh, that's always a hard one to answer. There are definitely people, uh, teachers that that uh, I have admired. I mean, in the in the mindfulness space, one of my favorite teachers is Dr. Rick Hansen. I just feel he is so knowledgeable and generous with that knowledge, and he just makes sense to me. So he's he is some someone in that space that I've really looked towards in the mindfulness arena. 
And then you have, you know, people like uh, Sonia Lubomirsky, that um, the how of happiness in, in that mm-hmm. realm and, and all of the research that uh, she has done. In terms of traveling, which is a, a, a very big part, I wouldn't say that there is, I wouldn't say that there's a person that, that I followed or admired because they traveled so much. I, I, to me, it's, that's something that, that has been part of my growing up. You know, I had mm-hmm. a grandfather who fled Russia for uh, political reasons and, and he crossed Russia on foot and then became you know, the equivalent of, of uh, a merchant seaman and, and traveled the world. And my father also traveled extensively. So that, that has just been something that, uh, an awareness that has always been part of me. So it, it's kind of hard for me to, to, to point to mentors, the teachers, because in many respects, I, I feel while I have studied a lot and extensively, I, I, I feel that I have had to be self-directed and self-motivated. And I um, have always been non-traditional in my approach, whether it's learning or my career. I haven't followed a, a typical path. And because I haven't stayed in the lines, it's hard to say where, you know, mentors are or teachers are because mm. I, I take from some so many different places to to put it together in you know the way I look at it you know I'm a big fan of Deepak Chopra I like Marianne Williamson I mean yeah there's, there's a lot of people I could point to whose work mm-hmm. I, I really admire very much yeah, yeah. and you touched on on travel what role would you say travel has played in your personal growth and development? Oh boy, it's it's shaped me as as I am today for sure. It has opened up my curiosity, it's ignited my sense of adventure, my desire to explore and see what's around the corner. It's made me who I am today. Do you, do you do you find yourself bringing some of those mindsets that you embody while you're traveling back into your everyday life, especially yeah, now when you can't travel? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, every day in some form is an adventure. If you keep if you keep open and if you keep curious. Every day is, is some kind of an adventure. Every day is a hero's journey, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 100%. Do you have a, a favorite or, or most memorable or, or most life-changing travel story? Yeah. So it's the one that I, sh- I, I think I shared with you before. So my most memorable, uh, well, one of my most memorable travel experiences in the bush. I actually have two. One's, one is more urban and, and one's in the bush. So when I went to Africa for the first time, I, I went there with a lot of trepidation because when my father went there as a teenager, he got malaria. 
And, and it was something that, that stayed in his system for the rest of his life. So hmm. I, went, I went to Africa being afraid of what would bite, chew, or, or have me for an afternoon snack. <laughs> and I did not want to get out of the vehicle. However, I had to get out of the vehicle to do my job. I was there doing a story. I was, I was you know, doing some wildlife stories, and I couldn't sit planted in the center of the back seat to do my job. At some point, I had to get out of the vehicle to, to, to go um, do what I'm supposed to do. And it was the back end of the day, and we were at a water hole. And there was a whole pecking order. There was the elephants that were in, in the water hole and they're trumpeting and bathing their babies and flapping their ears and having a really good time. And then there was this long queue of, of uh, zebra waiting for the elephants to get out of the water hole so they could come in. And then there was this one lone giraffe. And the giraffe was trying to inch its way up the the, the the queue of the zebra and you could see the giraffe kind of looking around and when he didn't think that the zebra were paying attention that the giraffe would take a few steps forward and look around and you know would do that a few times and then when he thought he was going to be busted you'd see him back back step and then start the whole process all over again but just watching that unfold in in front of me was it was just it was so it was so uplifting to to see that and just yeah that the end of the day with the lights and the temperature and just just that whole moment was was just such a perfect moment just watching life and unfolding in in front of you and and seeing these different species actually coexisting together so that finally got me out of the vehicle <laughs> you you paint a very vivid image of that. Like I really feel like I was, I can see that very clearly in my head. Yeah, and then the the second one is when I went to Venice, and this was a this was a, a, a personal trip that I had done with with a boyfriend at the time. And Venice is where my family began. My last name is Baltazzi. It goes back to the 11th century Venice. And so I was really looking forward to going to Venice. And we had gone into uh, Venice one day, and it was it was hot and it was crowded, and and it 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 wasn't really all that pleasurable because of the crowds. And we were staying outside of Venice. And the next day, the choice was either go, to go back to Venice or to um, carry on with our, our road trip through Italy. And I really wanted to go back to Venice. And, and my, my then boyfriend didn't want to go because he didn't want to be hassled with it. And I, and I just threw a fit. I just was like, you're going to deny me the place of where my ancestors were. And I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I took it all out. <laughs> and I got my way. And we went to... Um, <laughs> We went back into Venice, and we had gone to to see a, 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 a museum, and I can't even remember. Uh, it may have been the Guggenheim, whatever. We went to go see some modern art, and it was at a villa right on the canal. And we were taking a, a break from going through the museum. And when we went to Venice to get it back into the city, we 
actually had no problems. It was no. It was as if everybody decided yesterday was going to be the busy day, and then the next day everybody was going to go do something else and just leave the city vacant. So we just sailed into the city, went to the museum, looked at artwork, and then wanted to take a break and went out on, onto this veranda uh, on the canal. And there was nobody on the, uh, on the canal. But yet in the distance, you could hear this beautiful voice singing. And it was just this beautiful baritone voice mm. just singing and singing and singing and just filling the air off in the distance. And it, I'm sure it was some gondolier singing to a tourist, but who cared? You know, because you were in Venice and it was beautiful and you were on the canal and that was another defining moment of just just the appreciation for for being in such a historic city and mm. just having you know you're looking at artwork but yet the artwork was was life itself there it was right mm -hmm. in front of my eyes on the canal I didn't need to be inside a villa looking at, at 20th century art. I could just be on the veranda listening to the gondolier and looking at, 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 the, at the other villas across the canal. And yeah. Yeah. F foreshadowed your, uh, your interest in mindfulness perhaps. Yeah. 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 So those are, those are two, two very uh, wonderful travel memories that, that were defining for me. I love you're a great storyteller. So what what is what is let me ask you this. Uh, what is one thing that that people can do to travel better? What what is your what is one thing that you do when you when you hit the road either before during or after that really makes the experience for you? Candidly, a lot of times before I go on a trip, I don't really research. I show up and I, I let the world unfold in front of me. I allow myself to just go where the day takes me, to open myself to opportunity, to my curiosity, to my mood. And mm -hmm. so that's what I would say is, is, is yes, prepare, but and everybody's different. You know, some people like to know every single hotel that they're staying at and every single restaurant that they're going to eat at and museum they're going to visit. And I'm saying that if you're that type of person, then you need to do that. And so that's just me. I think the bigger takeaway is just to be open. You know, even mm -hmm. if you have a plan, be open and and flexible have a plan but but you know be willing to change it 100 couldn't couldn't agree more we we talk a lot about sort of the balance between traveling intentionally right maybe knowing uh what you want to do or some of the experiences that you want to have some of the emotions or 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 yeah. those kinds of things that you hope to get from a trip, but also not being rigid right and as you yeah. said staying open to the spontaneous because that's where so much of the beauty and the the, the learning and the the goodness of travel comes comes from yeah I, I, th I think when you are are open you know if, if you are overly structuring your day that you know every minute you're going 
going to be here or there, then you can't then you can't allow for these unexpected surprises that will give you the most ama- okay, another another really amazing ex- because I was open, because I I I had a plan and was flexible. So I, I actually I actually was going to Africa to do a shoot, but since I was there and I I had some time, I thought, well, I'm already in Nairobi. What's the furthest place that I can go from here? And so that was the Seychelles. So I I I went there and yes, I did choose some hotels ahead ahead of time, but then I didn't have a schedule for anything else. And I stopped at um, a restaurant that that specialized in making fish, and I, I became friendly, chatty with the owner of the restaurant. And the next day, and because I was open, the next day he and and the chef came to the beach. They came. They they brought a boat, a, a, just like a little pup pup boat, and they picked me up on the beach in front of my hotel and then we went to an, an island and they caught fish with just a string out of the, out of the water they just caught caught the fish and then they they made the sand pit and they they grilled up the fish and and the, the chef had this lovely vinaigrette sauce and and it was just the most joyful experience that I would not have had if I would have been like, well, I'm getting picked up at 9 a.m. for this tour. Yeah, but because I could say, yeah, I'll hop on that that motorized fishing boat with you and go fish and eat fresh fish on, on the beach. In your life, do you um, have some of the same kind of habits and rituals that you do while you're traveling and vice versa? Like, do you go about your life in this openness state like you do when you're traveling? Yeah, I try to. I, I, I try I try not to be overly scheduled. I very much appreciate and, and treasure the space you know, the space in, in, in the day that I can say, well, I'll go hike now or I'll wait until the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a a favorite habit or ritual you do on a day-to-day basis? Meditate. Do you always meditate while you travel as well? Yes. The practice travel with you? Yes. That, that practice, I, I, I would have to look on my, my phone, but I have over 1,450 days straight of days of meditating. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's the thing that I take with me everywhere. That's a big meditation, faith, my spirituality. That's a big, big part of my, my life. Nothing happens without that, that, that that nothing happens without that piece for me. I, I agree with you. I don't know that I would, I've done it 1400 in a days, days in a row, but, but it, it's much like you, it's part of my morning ritual and it's, it's like eating, it's like eating breakfast or having coffee or drinking tea for me in the morning. It's like my day doesn't feel complete. I don't feel ready for the day until yeah. I've sat for at least a few minutes. It might only be five or 10 on any given day. It might be 30 the next day, but yeah. But having some kind of foundation there is something that 
I also, I bring with me while I travel and, and bring to, to just about every day. Yeah. And then the other thing I do multiple times throughout the day is I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. I say thank you countless times throughout the day for things mm-hmm. that happen. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for this very moment. You know, I, mm-hmm. I then end my day you know, uh, among the last things that as I have my head on my pillow, I think of three good things that happened that day and why they, they were good things, which ultimately is, is another way of counting your blessings. Mm-hmm. I adopted that practice um, about a year ago now, and I've kept it up every single day. Um, I take a few minutes at the end of my day to journal. And actually, this is a practice that I started doing and felt inspired to do when I traveled or when I would go backpacking or when I would get out of my day-to-day element. And I've just brought journaling back into my day-to-day life now. And it's been hugely beneficial. But yeah, that's I, I would say that's sort of my form of, of meditation. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I stop journaling when I go on trips or just stop journaling mm-hmm. in general. I just felt that journaling became a chore for me that I didn't look forward to doing. And then I lost a couple of journals yeah, on trips. And, and and it just left me feeling so vulnerable. And it's just like, oh, my yeah. God, somebody's going to find those journals and, you know, my deepest stuff is there. And I thought, no, I don't think so anymore. Mm. So, but more than anything else, it, it felt like a chore. And so mm-hmm. for me, taking photographs becomes, it has become more of my, my version of, of a journal. And then just mm. doing the three good things every night. Mm. That, that's my, my form of, of journaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it can take away from, from being present, for sure, if you're, if you're focused on trying to write everything down. Um, there is yeah. that balance to strike there between being present and being reflective. Um, well, so, what I was finding is that so much would happen during a day Mm-hmm. That that you're you're writing and writing, your hands getting sore because you're writing so much, and it, it just seemed to take so much effort. And it's just like, well, either I'm enjoying and appreciating the day, or I'm I'm writing. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different types of reflective practices, right? For some, it's journaling. For others, it's meditation or prayer, or or even for me, I, I tend to be someone who, when I'm traveling with someone, uh, to get into a conversation. And just sort of process yeah. that way, you know, and have a really nice discussion about what came up, what I learned, what inspired me, who inspired me, et cetera, what challenged me, et cetera. I do write and I do write a lot. And I think that there are times and places, and I do it well, where you will do reflective writing. It's just not a daily journaling. Yeah. Cause I think, I think. Writing is, and it's something I have, you know, my, my students and, and uh, um, clients do is, is I, I have them do a lot of free form writing, which I think is very in, insightful and therapeutic. Awesome, Maria. Well, um, I would like to do something we call rapid fire questions, which I know we've done together before in our Wisdom and Wanderlust 
um, webinar series. But for those of you who aren't sure what rapid fire is, this is just a series of questions that I'll ask Maria and just get the first answer that comes to her mind. And it's just kind of a fun way to wrap things up. Okay. So Maria, are you ready? Sure. So what is your favorite book of all time? Zorba the Greek. Um, what is your, <laughs> I feel like I want to ask questions about that, but I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, is that one on your bookshelf? <laughs> uh, no, I do not actually have that one. It's the lone book in the entire universe that I don't own. <laughs> okay. So what is your best or most memorable meal you've had perhaps while traveling? Is that a word? One word? Um, it can, it doesn't have to be one word. You know, I would have to say the one I just described to you, being picked up at the beach in the mm. station mm -hmm. in front of my hotel and getting fresh fish and digging a hole in the sand and, and grilling it and just eating it as is. Yeah, that does sound very memorable and delicious. What is one thing you always bring with you on your travels and never go without? Me. You? Me? Yeah, the presence of me oh. that, that I am yeah. present. I love that. Okay. And if the last one here is if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Africa. Oh, what part of Africa? Botswana. And you've been? Robin, I know you want to ask why, so go ahead. <laughs> why do you want to go to Botswana? <laughs> Was that the one, or why do I? Why did I choose Zorba the Greek? Oh man, <laughs> both. <laughs> Botswana. I've been there. I've been there a couple of times, but I've I've always gone into the bush, into the Kalahari Desert, mm -hmm. and I've never gone to the the Delta. And I really want to go to the Delta. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Well, you have to go back. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you one story? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because it's about Botswana. So I was I was doing I was doing a, a story about relocating a rhino, and we were bringing this rhino in from uh, South Africa, and we had taken the the rhino, and we had we were driving, and we had to get to the border before they actually closed the border with the padlock. I mean, like we couldn't, we could not get into where we wanted to go because they had a padlock and it was late at night and it was dark and we really couldn't see where we were going. And we had this rhino that, that had been darted and we were translocating it and was in a trailer and we are going round and round trying to figure out our way to get to the border in time before they padlocked it padlocked it and, and wouldn't let us in, into the country. So eventually we finally get to the border and uh, it's just in the nick of time that we could, are able to, to cross. And they said, do you have anything to declare? And he says, yes, one black rhino. <laughs> and how was that received? <laughs> yeah, they let us through. I mean, they knew it was a vet and, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it was just so funny to just be at, 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 you know, the country's declaration area. And what do you have to declare? One rhino? <laughs> it's amazing.
Um, Maria, I have I have one question for you before we we wrap up. What is one piece of advice that you would like to leave our audience with? If there is a place on your travel hit list that you go and you don't wait and you go and you go big, you know, however you define it, you really do it. You know, you're not skimping, you're not, you're not cutting corners, just go do it and, and go big and, and be curious and open and explore and just spend whatever you have to spend because you will never regret it. Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And there's no guarantee of tomorrow. I love that. So Maria, where can people find you? What's your, what's your website? Uh, the website is the sojournexperience.org. And that website will take them into the producing work that I've done. It'll take them into the, the travel that I curate through Sojourn Explorers. And then it'll take them into all of my happiness work, which is picture happiness, take a shot. Cool. And they can sign up for, are you still doing newsletters? Yeah, I have a newsletter called Eight Good Things, which is as the the name implies, it's eight good things plus a whole lot more. You know, I I have uh, like things that you can do to boost your happiness. I I also do meditations on on the Insight Timer app. So Mm -hmm. through my newsletter, you can get access to that as, as well. So yes, Eight Good Things, the newsletter. And you can sign up on my website, uh, the sojournexperience.org, or uh, just go to Eight Good Things. Just go cool. to URL Eight Good Things. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that you're on Insight Timer now. It's my favorite meditation app. Yeah. So I'll have to take some of your courses on there. Yeah. And you're also going to be running a workshop for us um, for Explore X. Um, in our online traveler community, which we just launched this year. So be sure, those of you listening, to look up, look us up, explore-x.com after this um, for access to the traveler community where you can find that workshop with Maria. And I also want to mention that due to popular demand, we are going to be running yet another Camino de Santiago trip with Maria as the guide and host of the trip. So um, if you want to learn more about that, go to explorer-x.com slash Camino-2021 for more details on that. And Maria, this will be your, what number of time doing the Camino? Uh, This will be my third time doing the Camino. Third time doing the Camino. You know, it's one of those trips that I, I could do year after year. It is such a reminder if you have done the Camino more more than once and if you haven't, it is such a metaphor for how the way life should be lived. You know, it is so, it is is, is just so open. You feel that you can walk up to any person, any group and strike up a conversation. You're never lost. Somebody is always going to guide you. Many of the homes along the Camino open up uh, tables of food and you have breads and cheeses and meats and they don't expect you to pay. I mean, you can if you want just as as a contribution and just 
all along the way, you, you hear people say Buen Camino, Buen Camino, which, you know, it means, you know, have, have a good way, you know, just go your path and, and, and go well. And it's just, it, it just reminds you that you can't, you know, whether you're young, old, what your, your, your cultural background is, you can coexist because you see it all on, on the Camino. And I've seen people that are so heavy and with canes that if you were to see them at a grocery store, you would never imagine that they would be on a trail walking the Camino. And I've seen parents with, with pushing baby strollers. So it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, the, 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 it, the wide range of age and different cultures is just, it's such a, a, a lovely, lovely way to coexist. Great, great cap to this conversation. And uh, again, just to, just to reiterate, um, that trip is planned for September of 2021. Obviously, with all that's going on in the world with COVID, uh, we're going to be uh, diligent and mindful and adapt as need to. But the plan is, as of now, to run that in September of 2021. Again, Robin, as Robin said, go to our website, explorer-x.com slash Camino-2021 for more details. Maria, thank you. It has been a true honor and pleasure to have you on and speak with you again. Thank um, you. I, I, I want to leave with one thing. I want to leave with yeah. why Zorba the Greek is my favorite book. <laughs> um, yeah. awesome. And whether you read the book or not, I, I think the takeaway is, is still the same. And the reason the character Zorba the Greek is, is so so memorable to me and he is just this larger than life literary charismatic character that that just through his journey you learn that in the face of challenges what do you do you dance Mm. that's it you know Mm. we all have troubles in our life but you still have to celebrate life Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still taking its pleasures, still taking its joys. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Reminds me, you know, uh, one thing I tell myself often: obstacles make me stronger. Right? Ohms. Mm-hmm. Obstacles make me stronger. So, uh, Maria, again, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom, for inspiring us, and thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of Wisdom and Wanderlust. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at. Go Explore X. Shoot us an email, hello at explore-x.com. And uh, until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy. Thanks, Maria. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure.